The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. We are America, and we truly do believe you're the backbone of our nation. Thanks to you, we're living free. We're a quilt of many colors, and we breathe red, white, and blue. We're America, your country, and America wants you. It has been said that we are but one generation away from forgetting our history. Welcome to American Heroes Network, where we serve our American tradition with Gary Ray, along with his co-host, Linda Crater. In our program, you will hear firsthand the personal accounts of heroes whose unselfish actions have contributed to the traditions and values that represent the soul of America. You'll also hear from our partners and affiliations presenting news events and ways that our veterans and their families can rebuild their lives. Now, here is Gary Ray with his co-host, Linda Crater. Good morning and welcome to the American Heroes Network. Today is June 10th, 2014. How time is flying. I'm Gary Ray, along with my co-host Linda Crater, President and CEO for VeteranCaregiver.com. How are you doing this morning, Linda? Just fine, Gary. Thanks so much. Anything exciting over the weekend? Um, it was just so beautiful around here that you just found yourself smiling at everyone. It was marvelous. <laughs> All right. They always think something's up when you smile at them. Maybe, but it was fun. <laughs> All right. We also have Lieutenant uh, Colonel Bill Forbes, U.S. Army retired, former Deputy Secretary for the Veterans Administration, Maryland, also past Department Commander for the DAV for the State of Maryland. How are you doing this morning, sir? Just fine, and welcome to everyone. All right. Jim Klug is also with us this morning. He's the National Public Relations Director and Historian. And I'll tell you, once you get him on hooked on talking about being a historian, unbelievable things he has. <laughs> and, and again, he's, he's with the military. Or I'm not sure how to take that. <laughs> I'll tell you, he knows his stuff <laughs> to be nice <laughs> he knows everything about the the historian part of the military or the purple heart good morning sir how are you good morning gary good morning linda bill good morning. good morning all right listen up let's congratulate anthony and tom uh, from veteran trek they actually made their seventy thousand dollar gold the day after last week's show they decided to keep the campaign going until the end of the day today where they're trying to get a hundred thousand dollars they only have about uh, geez maybe about three thousand about three thousand to go i think so that's that's pretty good once again you can go to the sunrise documentary.com or go to the american heroes network.com homepage scroll down to the sketch of anthony and tom and then give them what you can give them uh they have till the end of the day to make that hundred thousand and again we're going to have to have them on the show after this uh very very soon linda what'd you think about that story i sent you about our guest well there were so many stories in there it was like getting an encyclopedia tell me about it he's phenomenal isn't he very very (laughs) impressive all right jim how long have you known our guest well uh steve and i go back several years now and uh 
um, frankly, uh, each year seems uh, as though our relationship uh, adds another layer of uh, experiences. Steve is an incredible man, and I really look forward to introducing Steve. All right. Well, you have the honor to introduce. Go ahead. Well, Steve Deaton is a pilot, and I think a pilot, and uh, I've got to add, and a great husband. Uh, his, his aviation career uh, began with the United States Army as a combat helicopter pilot in Vietnam. During that period of time, Steve amassed a total of in excess of 650 combat missions. After his tour in Vietnam, Steve deployed to Korea and flew as a surveillance uh, pilot. Up next... Operation Desert Storm. Steve flew as a commander of a utility transport. In total, Steve served as an Army aviator for 28 years before retiring in 1998. And during those 28 years, uh, just a few of Steve's awards uh, and decorations include the Air Medal for Heroism Earned While in the Republic of Vietnam, and presented in 1992, the Air Medal for Meritorious Achievements, 25 awards for in uh, the Republic of Vietnam, the Bronze Star for Meritorious Achievements, Vietnam, 1972, the Purple Heart for Wounds Received in Ap- Action, Vietnam, 1972, the Army Commendation Medal for Meritorious Achievements, Operation Desert Storm, the Army Commendation Medal with First Oak Leaf Cluster for Meritorious Achievements, Honduras, Panama, Canada, and Alaska, 1992. The Army Achievement Medal for safety, Safely Transporting 3,382 Personnel over 187 airlift support missions that totaled 1,170 flight hours and airlifted a total of 228,000 pounds of cargo, 1,780,000 miles awarded in 1995. And dear to Steve's heart, um, Uh, along with all the others, are the Army National Guard Master Army Aviation Bads presented in 1989. From the Army Aviator, he went on to serve as Chief Pilot Director and Training and Security Director of Safety Operations for several other airline companies. However, his most frightening aviation experience was as a helicopter logger in northern Montana along the Canadian border. Like Steve explains, the uh, helicopter operated in constant in a constant state of panic, like shaking and screaming for five-hour shifts every day, followed by five hours of trying to stop shaking. Steve has logged in in excess of 20,000 hours on a global scale in a wide variety of aircrafts and circumstances, military, corporate, commercial flight, from desert hot to Alaska cold, to tropical humidity and transoceanic. Steve is now director and currently director of flight operations of Mercy Flights, home based in Medford, Oregon. Mercy Flights began by accident, quite by accident, in 1945 by George Milliken. Milliken's desire to save his uncle by flying him to Portland set the stage for somebody like Steve Deaton. And I'm really proud to introduce Steve Deaton. Steve is the past chapter commander of Chapter 147, Military or the Purple Heart. His wife uh, sometimes refers to him as the Forrest Gump. And it's not that he stumbles into stuff. 
Steve makes things happen, and uh, quite by accident, but sometimes on purpose. But it is my pleasure to introduce my friend, Steve Deaton. Welcome, Welcome Steve. Yeah, Welcome, thank Steve. you, Gary. Thank you, Linda. Bill Forbes, right. thank you. Good morning. I'm glad to meet you. All right. the, and Jim, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that's buddies. the shortened, Steve, that's the shortened version. If I did the full, we'd get into two segments. That's right. Yeah. And Steve, I just had a question as far as, uh, uh, do you have any more room on your chest? <laughs> <laughs> no, there's a little sign that says, see the other jacket. <laughs> oh, I like that. <laughs> all right, all right. Linda, you know, right. Steve, what I, I, I noted to... as I read through all your bios, and there were pages and pages of those, is that you were very matter-of-fact and sanguine about what you were being asked to do. You did your job. You knew what your job was. You were very focused on it. And in your own words, you said, I did what I was called to do. It was not my place to question it. And I have no regrets. And that is not something that a lot of our veterans can say. Well, right. But, you know, time and place, the, the Vietnam War, and I'm sure... Mr. Forbes and Jim and you guys can attest to this. It wasn't really the war that was troublesome, and I don't mean to to think you know paint the Vietnam War lightly. What was more troublesome in that time period was the domestic unrest in the in right. the United States. You know the, the civil disobedience Absolutely. that was plaguing the country, mm-hmm. and and Vietnam happened to be the the vehicle in which to display that civil disobedience or unrest. And my place in the military was not to get involved in that. And, and that's what I meant by that. I, I just stayed focused. And, and, of course, my number one goal was to survive. And, mm-hmm. and I, I did what I had to do, you know. Wow. That's unbelievable. Not only that, Amazing. it appears as though you loved your flying and you oh, did everything well, you yeah, could to get jobs uh, flying. I re- I remember uh, I grew up on a Navy bases. You know, my father was a career Navy man, and the first 18 years of my life, I grew up on every Navy base up and down the California coast. You know, every two years, he got transferred somewhere. So, but I remember the very first time I saw a helicopter. I was very young, and we were at the Long Beach shipyards, and. Uh, uh, I think it was a Los Angeles County police helicopter went by. It was one of those old ones with the big glass bubble and the and the, the oil frame derrick, you know, tail. <laughs> and uh, I was sitting there as a little kid, and I, I heard it coming, and I stopped and looked at it, and, and that was it. I, I had to know what it was. I remember pointing at it, and my dad said, that's a helicopter. And well, from that point on, you know, destiny took over. So it was kind of fun to see it, and I still remember that moment, you know, real clearly. It was kind of wow. funny. But, so. Jim, I wanted to say to you, you know, the, your patriotism and devotion to promoting a sustainable welfare of veterans is above reproach. I, like Jim said, I've known him for several years, and he just amazes me, his energy and his, and his enthusiasm to promote the veterans' welfare. I, I just admire the guy so much. Oh, no, right. Thank you, Steve. Uh, I, I parrot that same thing. It's a reflective. I think, uh, I think Gary is a Vietnam veteran, and Linda, too, and her outreach and uh, is, a, is a, a veterans' advocate, and Bill, obviously, uh, 
you know, that's just kind of dear to our hearts because we all recognize the frailty of our uh, of reintegration, and uh, uh, it's a it's a tough track. But uh, I know I I actually you know I've got to throw this in. There are so many ironic uh, parallels that run in Steve's life. Um, frankly, when Steve and Sue sit here in our house and we talk and visit, um, we basically come here and it's uh, kind of like almost like a comedy live central, only it's yeah. real life. But, but Steve lives with such a high level of passion. Uh, his wife, Sue, sits there and we all sit there in absolute quietness and listen to Steve just bringing out reams of stories. <laughs> All right. There's some real similarities. His father served 28 years. Steve served 28 years. He okay. went in on Veterans Day. Uh, he was born uh, on November 11th, 1950, Veterans Day. He retired November 11th, 2010, Veterans Day. Um, there are so many things that kind of just... Uh, weave back and forth in Steve's uh, history. And here he is now, uh, the tact and the direction he took in Vietnam. Now Steve is absolutely the, the kingpin cornerstone for Mercy Flights. And Mercy Flights, uh, there are a number of organizations such as Mercy Flights, but I don't know of any that have the, the deep-rooted uh, devotion and dedication to saving lives like Mercy Flights. And now with Steve at the helm there and Director of Flight Operations, it's, a, it's, it's almost an operating room precision operation with Steve's uh, oversight. And I know they're blessed. I know the citizens of, of really all of Oregon are blessed. And Steve is, Steve is a one of a kind. All right. Well, we're going to take a we're going to take a quick short break so we can come back and listen to a story or two, if that's all right, Steve. Sure. And uh, we'll be back. My name's Gary Ray, along with Linda, Bill, Jim, and our guest Steve Deaton. You're listening to the American Heroes Network, powered by Voice America on the Variety Channel, and we'll be right back. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. For those corporations or organizations who wish to support our veterans, sponsoring and promotion on the American Heroes Network has never been easier or smarter. As the only network focused to specifically reach the military and veteran population globally. For more information, email us at sponsorinfo at americanheroesnetwork.com. By providing a unique blend of information and advocacy, we are helping our American heroes and their families to heal, successfully transition into civilian life, and to thrive in their communities. This generation will not be forgotten. Today's military are our sons and daughters. Listen live to the American Heroes Network, the worldwide voice for our military families and veterans, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. All shows are archived on American Heroes network.com and syndicated on iTunes. 
American Heroes Network team depends entirely on voluntary financial support, advertisers, and sponsorships to keep the voice of our veterans alive and bring awareness, education, excitement, and most importantly, hope to the gray reality that exists for the hundreds of thousands of troops that are home and coming home. You can now become part of the elite team and help support our veterans. Your support is needed more than ever before. Become part of the Silent Heroes support team today. The Silent Heroes support team levels start as low as $26 per year. That's only 50 cents a week. Go right now to AmericanHeroesNetwork.com and join today. That's AmericanHeroesNetwork.com. Thank you for your support. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are tuned in to American Heroes Network. If you want to find out more about us or to contact us with questions or comments about the show, please send an email to AmericanHeroesNetwork at gmail.com. That's American Heroes Network at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back. We're here with our guest, uh, Steve Deaton. And Steve, why don't you tell us a little bit about, uh, let's start off with, with Nam uh, as a chopper pilot. Okay. Well, let me tell you how I got there. And it yeah. wasn't by design. It was by default. So I have to clear up some of these things <laughs> on my resume for you. You're not going to tell us about your test, are you? <laughs> no, no, no. I was drafted as a military policeman, and and I was like number four in the draft. I was sitting in my living room watching it on TV with my parents, and they all looked at me, and I looked at them, and my dad said, join the Navy. <laughs> but I felt like I had already had a career in the Navy, so I went down, just let him draft me. I went into the Los Angeles induction station, and... We were stepping over protesters, yep. and the drill sergeants are yelling at us, don't bother them, don't get involved in a conflict with them, just go through the building and get on the bus. And, and so anyway, I was, uh, ended up at Fort Gordon, Georgia, as a military police officer, and I was standing assigned to the, the, police, the military police battalion there at Fort Gordon, and I was assigned the front gate. So I'm waving cars in in the middle of the night, and back-to-back with me is this guy named James Brimley, and he went on to be a appellate court judge in Ohio over the years, but I remember him back-to-back, and he was looking at me saying, we got to get out of here, and I said, what? And he goes, we're going to go to Vietnam if we stay military policemen. <laughs> I said, you know, my question was, where's Vietnam, and what's the big deal? Anyway, <laughs> he said, no, the Army's looking for helicopter pilots. You just got to sign up for four years. And I was thinking, well, okay, that's cool. And so we both signed up, and then that's how I got into, took the test and got into helicopters. And it was love at first sight. I couldn't couldn't stop thinking about it then. And so I ended up in Vietnam in a Bell UH-1 helicopter. And that, of course, is the symbol of the whole Vietnam conflict that turned into a helicopter war. And uh, it, it's such an iconic machine and and. Well, I owe my life to it. You know, on several occasions uh, when no one would think it should fly, it it got me out of trouble. And well, like uh, the term on September 8th, I was flying up in Quang Tri Province, I Corps, 
And that was a time in 72 when the North Vietnamese were basically just walking down the highway, coming into the south from the north, just bold and brazen. And Anyway, I, I had a projectile come up to the bottom of the helicopter, went right between my ankles and just missed my hand on the cyclic stick and went right up to the dashboard and shattered the whole dashboard on my face and chest. But the helicopter kept flying. You know, we finished a little combat. We were protecting some Arvins in a firefight and finished that. And when we ran out of fuel, flew the helicopter back and everybody came running over because my chin and chest was full of blood and, and uh, pieces of metal and glass. And that was the Purple Heart story. But, you know, just cleaned myself off and stuck some Band-Aids on and, and kept going. Went back out because we had these troops out there that were trapped. So we kept providing them fire support. But that Bell helicopter, you know, it just, you know, took a lick and then kept on ticking. And, and that distinctive wop, 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 wop of the rotor blades is, is just music to my ears. You know, they'll, they'll never replace that helicopter. Anyway. Um, Wow. Yeah. So I, when I first got to Vietnam, I was assigned to the 187th Assault Helicopter Company in, there in Saigon. And actually, my, it was either my first or second combat mission. I remember I was one of the new guys, and they stuck you in the right seat. I remember this young lieutenant looking at me saying, don't scream, don't touch anything. And don't say anything unless I ask you. <laughs> because you're going to get the ride of your life, but don't panic. We'll be fine. <laughs> so, anyway, we took off on this 18 helicopter formation, and we were like number 14 or 15 and in this long line of helicopters full of troops, and we were taking them out to insert them in a battle somewhere. And about halfway to the battle... The number three and four helicopter in the formation collided midair. They got too close to each other. The rotor blades intermeshed and it blew up and killed them all. Well, that destroyed the whole mission. Everybody went back screaming and crying. And, and, uh, and it, it just destroyed a lot of the morale. And, and the Army disbanded that company. It, it, was, it, it became not effective at that point. So I got sent, because I'd only been in country for a couple of weeks, I got sent up north to Quan Tri, and, and then that's where I went into F Troop 4th Air Cav and got assigned hunter-killer teams. And and I, I just figured, like what Linda was saying, the, the focus and the dedication. My friends and I were sitting there, you know, and wondering what happened. We'd only been in country for three weeks and saw a lot of people get killed. Now we're aircraft commanders up by the DMZ, and just said the only way we're going to survive is just do everything and do it all at once and do it with a ferociousness that 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 will overwhelm you know our desire to get bored or despondent or 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 lazy or sloppy you know the number one game was survival at that point on and and the focus and the attention to details what got us through and so then you know 30 years later when we're on this radio show and Jim is Reading all that, it sounds somewhat, you know, extraordinary, but it really wasn't at the time. It was just a means to survive. And, and you know, I, I, there are people in all wars since then that have sacrificed and endured hardships or 
pain and suffering far greater than what I have. I, I was just very fortunate. The bullets missed, even if by centimeters, they still missed, you know. And, and so my sacrifices to me don't seem as important as the ones who were, you know, their life, their course of their life changed forever, altered their family relationships and, and all of that. So all I can say about that is um, time, idleness, and loneliness was my biggest enemy. So I, I just had to stay busy. I had to do what I came to do and, and do it with, with tenacity and straightforwardness and, and so that's what I think I uh, I owe my um, survival to wow Steve did you stay in touch with your battle buddies well not a, a couple of times I went down to the Vietnam Helicopter Pilots Association you know they'd ask me every year but they, they met in New Orleans once and I decided I'd go down there and it'd been like 10 years and they all look the same, just about 25 pounds heavier, and their wives looked a little younger than what I remember. <laughs> Every year I saw them, you know, their wives got a little younger, and they got a little heavier. I don't know how that went. <laughs> but the, the beer consumption... I'm definitely not going was, there. <laughs> yeah, don't go there. The beer consumption was the same, you know, and... But, but I, I just couldn't relive the stories, you know. I, I don't know. It wasn't. Yeah. yeah. I, I try the reunions. Jim knows me from that. I try to go to him, but I, I don't know what to say, you know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'd be there to help any one of them for sure. But, and, but yeah, we do keep in touch every once in a while, hit and miss, but not on a mm-hmm. regular basis. Steve, this is Bill. Uh, yep. I, 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 again, thank you for your service sure. uh, to, to the country. You've had the opportunity to serve both in uh, Vietnam and in the uh, in the Gulf War. Uh-huh. And uh, if you've had this experience, I'd like for you to talk just a little bit about what the reintegration back to home and community with the Vietnam veterans. Uh, that you knew and came in contact with, and those that served in the Gulf War, is there were there similar things, dissimilar kinds of things on their reintegration back to home and community that you might be able to identify? There's two interesting points from my from my point of view. Very, and they're very contradictory. When when during the Vietnam War, you know, you you're out in a fire base or or somewhere like Jim experienced out on patrol overnight and you huddle under your tarp and you pin a letter to home, one of your loved ones or your parents or whatever, and you end up handing it to somebody that's passing through, going the opposite direction in the jungle and you're going and say, could you deliver this? You know, and a month or two later, you know, you'll get a letter back that says, oh, I got your letter and everything's fine and it's a month old too. You know, and that, that, that kind of lack of communication or, or the, the relationship with your loved ones, you know, it, it's only damaging. You have to be an extraordinary and special couple or have relationships to keep those long-distance relationships alive. And now that's very different than Desert Storm. Desert Storm, I had a cell phone. You know, I could just call. 
Uh, we got done flying our mission, 7 o'clock at night after dinner, and you call home and say, hey, did I get any mail today? You know, it's a very, very different in terms of relationship. And I think, though, that the, the Vietnam-era veteran had a hard time integrating back into normal relationships with whatever it was, church, business, wife, family, whatever, because they, they spent a whole year of their lives or more in a very despondent, distant place, where I think the veterans today have more relationship support immediately upon returning. However, the damages, psychological damages of combat and, and, and um, that kind of will to survive that permeates everything you do, it still has uh, very devastating effects on an individual. And there's no blanket statement. Each person's relationship with whatever sacrifice they endured will affect them differently than the next one. You know, and, and the veterans today have to, they have to stay focused, they have to stay busy. We have to provide them with something to do to move past dwelling on something or one incident or, or one tragedy. You know, the, the, we have to work more together and, and keep well everybody said. alive and active. Well, we're going to take a quick short break. We'll be, uh, we'll be right back. And listen up. The water launch is coming very soon. American Heroes Water is the first of several consumer products that will be sold nationally to benefit the military or the Purple Heart Service Foundation. The American Heroes Network and the military or the Purple Heart Service Foundation have entered into an exclusive product support agreement. We also look forward to welcoming the American Heroes Water and the American Heroes Network cause apparel into commissaries veteran service organizations, food service locations, as well as retail outlets throughout the U.S. So look for the American Heroes Water, powered by the American Heroes Network, on your local retailer shelves July 2014. And remember that all American Heroes Network fundraising products continue to support our veterans year in and year out with no set limits on what the promotion produces. The American Heroes Network strives to produce quality products and programs. After all, our veterans are worth it. I'm Gary Ray, along with Linda, Bill, and our guest Steve. You're listening to the American Heroes Network, powered by Voice America on the Variety Channel, and we'll be right back. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. The American Heroes Network team depends entirely on voluntary financial support, advertisers, and sponsorships to keep the voice of our veterans alive and bring awareness, education, excitement, and most importantly, hope to the gray reality that exists for the hundreds of thousands of troops that are home and coming home. You can now become part of the elite team and help support our veterans. Your support is needed more than ever before. Become part of the Silent Heroes support team today. The Silent Heroes support team levels start as low as $26 per year. That's only 50 cents a week. Go right now to AmericanHeroesNetwork.com and join today. That's AmericanHeroesNetwork.com. Thank you for your support. 
By providing a unique blend of information and advocacy, we are helping our American heroes and their families to heal, successfully transition into civilian life, and to thrive in their communities. This generation will not be forgotten. Today's military are our sons and daughters. Listen live to the American Heroes Network, the worldwide voice for our military families and veterans, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. All shows are archived on American Heroes. Network.com and syndicated on iTunes. For those corporations or organizations who wish to support our veterans, sponsoring and promotion on the American Heroes Network has never been easier or smarter. As the only network focused to specifically reach the military and veteran population globally. For more information, email us at sponsorinfo at AmericanHeroesNetwork.com. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are tuned into American Heroes Network. If you want to find out more about us or to contact us with questions or comments about the show, please send an email to American Heroes Network at gmail.com. That's American Heroes Network at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Well, welcome back. We're here with our guest, Steve Deaton. And, uh, Steve, why don't you tell us a little bit about Korea and sure. Desert Storm, if possible, if we have time? Yeah, we have time. <laughs> All right. The, the short version, right? <laughs> the no picture of beer version. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, this uh, Korea came up. Uh, I was a helicopter pilot and flying for the Oregon Guard, a little OH-58 Bell helicopter. And one day I, I was walking through and saw the, the director of Army Aviation was standing there. I went in for a night flight, recurrent training flight, and for some reason he was in there at night alone. And I just happened to pass him in the hallway, and I overheard him talking on the phone to someone saying, we've got to fill that flight position. It was only a one-sided conversation. And then he was talking. I went on about doing my business, and he hung up the phone, turned around, and said, what the hell are you doing in here? And I said, oh, I came in for a night training flight. And he goes, oh, turn off the lights before, you know, when you're done. And I said, well, Colonel, you know, I don't want to get into your business, but if you got an airplane slot, I'll take it. And he said, ah, fat chance, and then walked out. It was about two weeks later he came in and asked me if I was still interested in it. <laughs> and I said, yeah. And so he said, when can you go? I said, now. So off I went to Fort Rucker for fixed-wing school and then Fort Huachuca for um, OV-1 Mohawk training, a little surveillance plane. The Army no longer has them. They're all mothballed. The satellites took over, put them out of business, but... But in the meantime, uh, when I got qualified to it, I, I had just left flight training and returned back to Oregon. And in those days, they had this thing called teletype machines. A teletype mm-hmm. machine was asking for volunteers to fill in for a shortfall in Korea, flying along the 38th parallel, a real-world mission, real, the real thing, not a training mission. They wanted Mohawk pilots, so I volunteered to go and... I was in Korea within like 72 hours and flying along the 38th parallel in this airplane. I just learned how to fly. And, and it was frightening. Those old movies of MASH where you see all the guys huddled in tents and 
big coats and blankets mm-hmm. over them. That's real. It was very cold in Korea. The, I remember the those Siberian Express winds come off of uh, Siberia and come down across that Korean Peninsula, and it is freezing. Mm-hmm. If you're going eastbound in the airplane and you get caught up in the, those express Siberian Express winds, you can fly the whole peninsula in about maybe 19 to 21 minutes and turn around over the Sea of Japan and try and get back. It takes you about 45 minutes just to make the turn, a 180-degree turn, and then another hour to get back across the other side. So they did that all night long. They would launch the Mohawks at dusk and then recover them at dawn. And, and the mission was uh, PARPRO, uh, Peacetime Aerial Reconnaissance Missions for the United Nations. It, there's a standing treaty where the armies are pointing guns at each other along the 38th parallel, but during the hours of darkness, they have to stand still, stand down. They can move east and west at the will, but if they move north or south, either army, it's considered an act of aggression and could start the war, and that's still going on today. It's a very dangerous, hostile Mm -hmm. place. Of course, you, you you, you see all the antics of the North Korean president in the news, and it, that's still from the Korean War, all that stuff. It's been a hostile environment longer than any war. And um, so I, I got my upcomings in an in a airplane in Korea, and it was quite an incredible um, experience to fly the 38th parallel at night. You're up there all alone. There is no one else there. And the south side of Korea has electricity, and the north side of Korea, pitch black at night. Just nothing. Very frightening place. Actually, the very first gray hairs I discovered were along the 38th parallel. My hair was turning from brown to gray. <laughs> and Steve, I understand when you said it was cold. I, I, when I spent time there, and uh, it's, I was in a foxhole for seven days at 40 below. Oh, that's uh, crazy. Yeah, tell me about it. Uh, I used to wave at all the helicopter pilots that went by, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> wishing I was up there. <laughs> yeah. Well, 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 gentlemen, didn't they uh, uh, at one time make reference to Korea as the frozen chosen? Yes, frozen chosen. <laughs> Correct, sir. Yeah. yeah. Frozen reservoir. Yeah. But that was my first impression of when I got into Korea as I thought, those MASH episodes were correct. <laughs> it's cold. But, uh, you know, I would like to see a peaceful end to that, that conflict someday. I mean, what, why is that still hanging over our heads after, what, 50 years or something? Yeah. Or more. That's unbelievable. And, and it is, a very, to this day, a very dangerous, hostile place. And there are a lot of servicemen. It might servicemen. have something to do with the leadership. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that's a, that's a whole nother show, right, Bill or Gary? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but Definitely. Korea was uh, was my my introduction to army fixed wing flying, and from that point on, actually, I haven't been in a helicopter since. And then I went on in, in Desert Storm. You know, after I volunteered to go to Korea and came back, I, it seems like I could just pick and choose my assignments for a while. And uh, I got a call. Actually, I was sitting at home. A few years later, I was sitting at home, and on CNN, it showed 
George Bush was announcing that he was doing a troop buildup in the Middle East. And it, it, I just saw it right there. I thought all the armies of the world are amassing in this desert surrounding Kuwait and the southern border of Iraq. And I, I said, I have to go. I have to be there. And so I called the Pentagon, actually, and got a hold of some major in, in the aviation department and said, you know, I don't know what's happening, but if, if there's a war, I got to go. And what can I do? And he got back with me within a week and said the Army was building these new airplanes. Senator Byrd of West Virginia got some new airplanes that he was going to introduce into Army inventory called a C-23 Sherpa. And he said they're building them in Belfast, Ireland, if you want to go get one and then take it to Desert Storm. <laughs> fly it there for a while, and, and then when the war's over, bring it back and tell us how we can integrate it into the Army inventory. I said, yeah. So I was in Belfast learning how to fly this C-23 plane. And it's funny. I don't know if you've ever seen it or not, but the first time my wife saw it, she was looking past it. She was looking around <laughs> under it, and she said, well, where's the plane? I was pointing. We were only standing like 50 feet from it. <laughs> it's right there. It says United States Army on it. She thought it was the box the plane came in. <laughs> All right. Because it's a big square machine. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it turned out to be just a reliable workhorse. I, we were staying in Abu Dhabi, and three and a half hours up to the southern border of Iraq, and three and a half hour flight back every day, we're hauling Apache helicopter engines. The, the logistical supply chain would bring them from Texas and put them on the ramp in Abu Dhabi. We'd download them into these smaller airplanes and fly them up into the desert so they could do combat switching of the engines. They didn't know. That was the first time the Apache was going to be proven in a desert warfare, and, and no one had any reliable data about how long the turbine engines could sustain sand blasting. And so, you know, the worst thing you could do is have an engine failure in the middle of a combat mission. So the Army was just changing the engines. They would fight all night and change the engine and go back. And So there was just a long line of supplies that were to support that. And it was all set up to last for years. But, you know, the Iraqis, in three weeks, the war was over. And so we spent the next eight months going back up there and getting them all out of the desert and bringing them back. <laughs> and then, but I... I amassed quite a lot of flight hours in, in that area. It was what they call imminent danger flight time. That's where you're unarmed. They, the enemy can shoot at you at any time, but you have to volunteer to go up there because you don't have any armament. You can't shoot back. So it was uh, imminent danger. And got, got some great experiences out of that, that flying. You know. All right. All right. Now, Steve, you, you mentioned uh, before the show you were going to send uh, some pictures. Uh, that way we can put them up on the website, let other people. Don't forget to send the one that uh, the box that the plane came in. Yes. <laughs> we'd, love to, we'd love to check that one out. <laughs> yeah, she was funny. She kept looking at me, and, and I, I was expecting a moment of pride and, 
and a hug saying, wow, you're cool. Well, she went with, why don't you fly like a regular looking airplane? <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, it was All funny. Right. Well, we're going to take a our quick short break. Uh, stay on top of what's going on. In order for you to stay updated with our network, on your phone, text the word HERO to 80464. That way you'll receive all the latest updates. Also, by signing up for updates, you'll receive the launch information on what state, what retailer, and where those bottles of water and cases of water are going to be located. If you missed any of our live shows, all our shows are archived on demand 24-7. Just go to the AmericanHeroesNetwork.com. They're also syndicated on iTunes. I'm Gary Ray, along with Linda, Bill, Jim, and our guest, Steve. You're listening to the American Heroes Network, powered by Voice America on the Variety Channel, and we'll be right back. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. For those corporations or organizations who wish to support our veterans, sponsoring and promotion on the American Heroes Network has never been easier or smarter. As the only network focused to specifically reach the military and veteran population globally. For more information, email us at sponsorinfo at AmericanHeroesNetwork.com. The American Heroes Network team depends entirely on voluntary financial support, advertisers, and sponsorships to keep the voice of our veterans alive and bring awareness, education, excitement, and most importantly, hope to the gray reality that exists for the hundreds of thousands of troops that are home and coming home. You can now become part of the elite team and help support our veterans. Your support is needed more than ever before. Become part of the Silent Heroes support team today. The Silent Heroes support team levels start as low as $26 per year. That's only 50 cents a week. Go right now to AmericanHeroesNetwork.com and join today. That's AmericanHeroesNetwork.com. Thank you for your support. By providing a unique blend of information and advocacy, we are helping our American heroes and their families to heal, successfully transition into civilian life, and to thrive in their communities. This generation will not be forgotten. Today's military are our sons and daughters. Listen live to the American Heroes Network, the worldwide voice for our military families and veterans, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. All shows are archived on American Heroes network.com and syndicated on iTunes. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are tuned into American Heroes Network. If you want to find out more about us or to contact us with questions or comments about the show, please send an email to American Heroes Network at gmail.com. That's American Heroes Network at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back. We're here with our guest, Steve Deaton, and this is our last segment of the show, so we have about uh, seven, eight minutes. And, uh, Steve, why don't you tell us, I mean, you're still flying, 
Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah I still about... get that question, too. Exactly <laughs> like that. People, are you still flying? <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, All right. Yeah. And so yeah. tell us about Mercy Flights. Mercy Flights, 1949, an air traffic controller. This is back in the old mail-run days and the birth of commercial aviation as we know it. And uh, one, of the, one of the air traffic controllers, a guy named George Milligan, our street's named after him now in front, Milligan Way. But he had an uncle. The polio epidemic hit Oregon hard in 1949, and he couldn't get the medical treatment he needed to support his uncle's illness, and he found out that there was some some support in Portland, so he borrowed somebody's plane, put his uncle in there, and flew him up to Portland to get him the attention. And somewhere along the line, as the light bulb went off in his head, so he started a subscription service, said he'd fly anybody anywhere where they needed medical support if they were a member, uh, membership. And it started a nonprofit air and ground ambulance service that we know today. They've been in business. This is our 65th year. And it was run quite a way, quite a bit, like a, just a, a local, kind of a small business deal. And they just serviced the members of Medford, and it grew now into a bigger thing. We have the sole ground ambulance provider for Jackson County, and that really is now the backbone of the company is the ground ambulances. and. And but we have a flight department attached to it with uh, two King Airs and a helicopter, and and we we will take anybody anywhere where they need to go at any time. So we try and man it twenty four seven. And I have uh, as the director, I, I supervise the pilot group, and I have seven pilots. I'm the eighth one, and. We, I schedule them, train them, evaluate them, them current, keep them legal, and uh, provide provide pilot support to them. And every once in a while, someone I have control of the schedule, so I do fly a little bit. But it's you know, if someone has a vacation or calls in sick or they need this or need that, I'll I'll step in and fly the plane. So I don't fly it as much as I used to fly. But I do still fly. I still love it, and and it's it's a fantastic, rewarding feeling to, you know, we see people all kinds of uh, damage, you know, whether it's automobile accidents or or whatever, but you know, anything that could possibly go wrong with a person in a in a unsafe environment. Usually, you know, they they end up on our plane and or helicopter, and we get them to the where they need to go. And it's very rewarding. You know, I don't get that much involved in the medical. I don't get involved in it at all, actually. You know, it's like, but you can't help but know what's happened to them by transporting them. And, uh, anyway, like Jim said, it's Mercy Flights in 1949 made a promise to the community that they would be there for them if they needed medical attention that wasn't available here. And I'm I'm just along line in that legacy, you know, of, of trying to keep that promise alive and, and well. And and for that, I, I enjoy it. It's quite a... I flew corporate 
my last job was in Guam, and, and I was flying for a Japanese businessman, and he traveled the world. He had business interests anywhere. But it was all selfish. You know, it, it, it was all to promote him. And it was fun, don't get me wrong, and the money was good, and the adventure was fantastic, but this, this is more rewarding. This is a bigger and better thing. And that's what I try and tell the pilots, you know. It's like, you have to look outside yourself, you know. Strive to be something, be a part of something bigger than you are. And the rewards and the, 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 what, the enriched lifestyle that you will realize is greater than you can imagine. And that same message you know, like the disabled veterans, the wounded warriors and all that, you know, the message, my message to them would be strive to be a part of something bigger than you and, and your life will be enriched in ways you can't, can't imagine. It's just out there. You have to stay focused and go for it. Wow. How many you know, are Steve, I'm sorry, you're, you're bringing up what I think many have discovered through some of the newer nonprofits, like Mission Continues and Team Rubicon, sure. where they do bring together um, with a purpose and a mission uh, veterans who have maybe a real need for a new focus, but a rejoining of the camaraderie and the fraternity and sorority that it really meant to work together for a mission and so okay. peer support is is exceptionally good and helping others helps you right. i agree yeah. well we we only have a little more than uh two minutes left so steve we want to thank you for being on our show today it was fantastic oh All right. you're welcome my pleasure yeah. this was fun all right. I'm glad we could produce the fun for you. Uh, what would you like to share with our listeners in closing, Steve? Um, I don't, you know, a wise man. I don't have any wise men sayings. And I, I, it was only, again, don't take me out of context. I, I don't consider myself or anything to be anything other than, than a part of the human community. I, I was called to do what I did, and I did it with 100% effort, and I tried to make good anything I was assigned, stay focused on the positive, don't let one little incident or tragedy bring you down, there's more to life than that, and, and, and just go, go forward, you know, right. and try and take as many people with you as you can. All right. Now, Steve, don't forget to send those pictures so we can post them also, any any good pictures you might have. Uh, Linda? Well, you just brought to mind a, a quote that I think um, I just recently read, which is, if you keep one eye on the past and one eye on the future, you'll always be cockeyed. So when you're saying take a look forward with a focus and a positive outlook, you really are saying there are better days ahead and move yeah. on. And yeah. good for you. Thank you for sharing that wonderful philosophy. All right. Bill? Well, Steve, thank you again for being with us today. And uh, this gave me an opportunity to look back to Vietnam and remember some of those uh, interesting days and not so interesting days. And uh, it was just great uh, uh, for you to be with us. Thank you, Mr. Ford. Thank you. And thank you for your service. And Jim? 
Well, I've got to say uh, thanks to Steve, uh, the original Band of Brothers, and uh, Steve, thanks for all you do, and uh, I can't even imagine what the next few years will bring in your life. Uh, we're going to have to have a longer program. I'm sure that's going to be the case. Uh, sure. Thanks, we'll Steve. Have to have you back. We'll have to have you back, Steve. Uh, thank you. <laughs> all right. Today's show is brought to you by First Class Merchant Services. If you missed any of our live shows, all our shows are archived on demand 24-7 on the AmericanHeroesNetwork.com. And remember, the American Heroes Network spotlights and promotes the very best available information of interest to America's veterans and their families anytime anywhere and on any device i'm gary ray along with linda bill jim and our guest steve deaton signing off and thanks for listening to the american heroes network powered by voice america on the variety channel and have a terrific week say goodbye everyone goodbye goodbye thank you again for joining us for this week's edition of american heroes network Please join Gary Ray and his co-host Linda Crater again next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week. We are America, and we truly do believe you're the backbone of our nation. Thanks to you, we're living free. We're a quilt of many colors, and we breathe.